Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. I trust you will be faithful to God's house. If you did not get a, a handout, hold your hand up. We'll make sure you get one. If, uh, if you didn't get a handout, please hold your hand up. We'll make sure that you get one. We want you to see where we're at and where we're going. We've been studying nine secrets of health relationships, and it Basically, what we're talking about is Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I thank God. I said it last Wednesday night, and I'll say it again this Wednesday night. When you start really digging in to each one of these things that are listed in Galatians 5.22 and 23, then it's, uh, it's quite, it's quite eye-opening as to what God expects out of us and the fruit that we need to bear as children of God. I can't answer for you, but I could use a tune-up. I could use a tune-up when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. And so maybe that's why the Lord has us working on all this. Amen? So tonight, my wife walks in the office and she says, what, what you preaching on tonight? And I said, uh, you really want to know? She said, yeah. I said, patience. She said, oh, you're preaching to yourself. So I'm preaching to myself tonight because patience is something that I don't have a lot of, but I need a lot of. Let me read Galatians 5.22. You ready? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's where we're going tonight. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. So the fruit of the Spirit is really just the ability, the ability to have Christ-like reactions to the people and the circumstances that we are around every day. Think about that. That's what it really is. It's how you conduct yourself daily, not just in church. I mean, we can all get blessed in church, but it's how you react and how you act. That, that shows what you really are. You know, it's, it's easy to stand up here and, and, and wave your hands and, or to be out there and wave your hands and dance and pray and, and hallelujah. And it's, 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 it's when your feet hit the floor on Monday morning. It's when you walk all day and through the week. And uh, this is where God needs to probably... Do like my dad used to do, those old coon dogs. When they wouldn't do right, he'd get them by the ear, and he'd twist the ear, and they'd holler and scream and yelp, and, and uh, he'd twist that ear, but they knew they were doing wrong. And uh, maybe God needs to do a little ear twisting on me and on you to get us not just to have a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night experience, but Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday we need to be bearing fruit and have the actions that are talked about in Galatians 5.22. For example, love is the Christ-like reaction to disagreeable people. Joy is the Christ-like reaction to depressing circumstances. We've already studied about that. Peace that we studied last week is the Christ-like reaction to distressing anxieties. But watch this. 
Patience is the Christ-like reaction to difficult situations. We sometimes think patience, uh, or we think of patience as simply being willing to wait, and, and, and that certainly is not a bad trait. When we say we're patient, we're willing to wait. Hurry is probably the greatest enemy of spiritual life on any day during any time. Hurry can literally destroy our spiritual lives. It was a man by the name of Carl Jung that wrote this, Hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Hurry. Hurry. I live in a hurry. My, my family, if they were all in here, they'd all be smiling because there ain't no time to be late. If you're, late, if you're 10 minutes early, you're late in my book. You, you will never, unless, unless something bad happens, you don't have to worry about pastor showing up on time. If I tell you I'm going to be there at 9 o'clock, I'm probably going to be there at 845. Because I like to live in a hurry. And y'all know I got scripture. You know I do. I've told you many times. When I'm driving fast and I pass you and you don't like it, the Bible said the king's business requires haste. I'm on the king's business all the time. So I live in a hurry. Okay? North Americans are often, and I, I, I want to give you some things, guilty of what psychologists call polyphasic activity. That's what psychologists call it. And, and it's doing multiple things at the same time because we are living in such a hurry. But God, everybody say, but God, is never, come on, say it with me, is never in a hurry. We're, way, we're, we're through way before God is most of the time. And you know why that is? It's because God has everything under control. He don't have to get in a hurry. He's got everything. So the word patient, as it's used in the New Testament, really has, uh, if you want to get right down to it, it has no equivalent in the English language. It's not just the state of waiting or not hurrying, but patience is much more, and I want to go there tonight. The word patient is sometimes translated long-suffering in the King James Version, and that's what it's called in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's patience. Patience is a powerful capacity of suffering long under adversity in your life. Now listen to me. It is the notable, or no, excuse me, it is noble ability of bearing with either difficult people or adverse circumstances without breaking down. It's the characteristic of tolerance. I'm, I'm reading these definitions because I want to get them right. Tolerance for the intolerable. It's generous willingness to try to understand the awkward people are disturbing events that God allows to enter our lives, and most of it all, and most of all, it is the powerful attribute of remaining steadfast under strain. So long suffering is putting up with it and going through it without quitting and without losing your temper and without getting angry when you really shouldn't.
when you're under strain, you just got to suffer and suffer long. It's called patience. There are two Greek words that are translated patience in the, in the Bible, two Greek words. I, I'm not good at Greek. I, I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce all these words. Y'all, y'all laugh at me on, on uh, Wednesdays when I, when I want to use a Greek word. I just I, I try to say it into my phone and said, what's the pronunciation? And, and they say it, and then I still can't say it. So here, here's one of them, H-U-P-O-M-O-N-E, okay? Hupomone. And that really means, and this is the first two blanks on your study sheet tonight. It means under, the first word, hupo, means under, and mane means abide. Under, abide. And this word expresses the idea of being under a burden for a long time without succumbing to suffering and without becoming fearful or despondent, all the while abiding, that means not changing, but abiding in the face of pressure. This is a word picture of a beast of burden remaining steadily under control as it does heavy, strenuous work for its master without complaint. So this is one of the definitions in the scripture of long-suffering. It's under-abide, and which means that when you get under pressure, and under strain, you're going to do it without complaining. You're going to keep marching when you don't feel like marching. You're not going to be fearful and despondent of what's coming that day. When the Bible tells us that's one of the fruit, that means that there's going to be tough time, but you have to suffer long in order for God to be pleased with you. And in order, let me tell you something, people that look at your life, they know when you're going through a crisis. They know when you're going through a struggle. They know when you're under the gun, if I could put it that way. And you still maintain your stability in Jesus Christ. Some people quit every, every Monday, every, every Friday, every, every Saturday. Some people just quit, always quitting. Well, I'm just quitting. Why are you quitting? You need to be long-suffering, under-abiding. You need to stay in the ship. Old Brother Todd Oglethorpe, bless his heart, he's gone to be with Jesus, but what he would always tell us was this, stay with the ship. I can't tell you how many times I've heard him say that. You better stay with the ship. You know why? The old ship of Zion's sailing, and it's going to make it. I said it's going to make it. And if you want to be safe, you need to stay with the ship. Because the ship's going to make it. The other word is macrothumus. And this is what it says. These are the next two blanks. Long anger. Long anger. This word expresses the idea of anger taking a very long time to build before it is expressed and being under strict control when or if it is ever expressed. So we know that we have to go through stuff. We know that. So we under abide and then we we long anger. That means that you you can't get mad at the drop of your hat when you're talking about patience and long suffering. Now look, I'm preaching to DG tonight. So y'all just sit in and listen, okay? Cuz I can get mad in a hurry. I know nobody else is in here like that. I ain't near as bad as I used to be. 
I've learned a few things along the way. But I don't, I don't mind, and I got it honest because G.E. Chats was the same way I am. And if you sat under him, you knew that. But we have to bring ourselves into the reign of, of, of God's power and God's anointing and God's word to where that we manifest a, a spirit of being long angered. In other words, now, I'm going to talk about anger. We, we've grown accustomed to hear about angry, out-of-control people in the news. People pick up a gun. They, they run over people. They get frustrated. They, they do crazy stuff and run through buildings and, and, and just, you know, there's a lot of junk going on today because of angry, difficult people. It's called the power of the Holy Ghost that keeps us from doing those things and living that way and going that direction. We cannot let our anger show in such terms. Anger is a normal, normal trait of a normal human being. If somebody does something to you, if somebody does something to you that, that, that you don't uh, like, it's, it's very likely you're going to get angry. This aspect of the fruit of the Spirit called patience is really, it's a supernatural ability to deal with ongoing suffering and frustration without succumbing, and this is in your notes, succumbing to anger against God or anger against one another. It's, write that in that blank. It, it's, it's, front, it's suffering and frustration without succumbing to anger. You cannot succumb to that. Since we, we talk about patience and, and, and with it we talk about anger, let's just, let's just talk about anger for a minute here. Let's talk about how to handle anger. I wish I knew. But I, I'm trying. Seriously. Here's a blank on your sheet of paper. Realize, realize, that's the word you need to jot down, the cost of uncontrolled anger. Realize the cost of uncontrolled anger. Anger is, uh, it's a strong emotion. Can you say amen? It's a strong emotion of displeasure arising from a feeling of injury. Somebody hurts you, you, you rise up in your human nature and you want to hurt them back. Amen? Anger is not, it's not sinful of itself, okay? The Lord wouldn't have put that in us. Even the Lord got angry. Even Jesus got angry. As a matter of fact, he wasn't, he wasn't too hip on what they were doing the day he walked in the temple and he got mad and he said he turned over all the tables and let the doves go and, and scolded them real good and said, my house is a house of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves. I suggest to you that he, 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 wasn't, uh, he wasn't real pleased with what was going on. There was a little anger there. When you start turning over tables, you're pretty angry. Amen? I wouldn't advise you to try that in your wife's house. But Jesus did. Here's what Ephesians said. Paul said this. He said, be ye angry and sin not. 
Be ye angry. Ephesians 4.26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. That's, that's, that's a powerful scripture. Don't get angry and do stuff crazy. One fellow said him and his wife, they'd get mad and they didn't let the sun go down on their wrath. They just stayed up all night. It went down and came up. But see, anger, anger has to be controlled. And you can't control it once the adrenaline kicks in. And, and it's already there. You got to control anger. And this is the next blank on your sheet of paper. You must control anger in advance. Let me tell you how you control it in advance. You control it in advance by a prayer life. And you control it by bringing your flesh under submission to the Spirit. Because we're talking about fruit of the Spirit. And if you got fruit of the Spirit, you will have long-suffering or patience because of the Holy Ghost in your life. Amen? So some dictionaries point out that the old English word anger originally meant to choke or to strangle. Now, I'm going to admit to you that sometimes that's what we'd like to do when we get angry. We just have all kind of thoughts. I'm, I'm so glad that God's minister rides with me all the time, Sister Erlene. She's constantly ministering to me on the highway because nothing burns me up more than for you to pull out when I'm in a 60-mile-an-hour zone and you're doing 30. I ain't got time for that. Somebody pulled out the other day. I said, what? Slapped my leg. She said, Danny, you've got road rage. <laughs> That's the truth. I'm just being honest. I'm just glad God sent my angel with me to keep me in line. And I said, you know what I said? You're probably right. Probably right. We need to remember what anger does to us. We need to remember that. On the one hand, anger releases a, a rush of adrenaline that makes you feel powerful and, and even temporarily overwhelmed with pain and, and, and or overwhelmed pain. You, you can overcome that because of that rush of adrenaline. But on the other hand, unresolved anger will strangle you and kill you. And I'm talking spiritually now. It will strangle you inside. People that let anger live inside of them live miserable lives because they are constantly dealing with that emotion and feeling of I'd like to get a hold of somebody. I'd like to pay them back. I'd like to get my word in. I'd like, come on now, I'm telling you the truth today. If we're going to do what God wants us to do, we've got to lay some stuff aside and we've got to have patience and we've got to be long-suffering in our, in our dealings with mankind. Many studies, listen to this, Many studies show that consistently angry people are vulnerable to physical problems like ulcers and high blood pressure and heart attacks and colitis and arthritis and kidney stones. You say you're kidding. No, I'm telling you what studies show. Gallbladder trouble, over 50 major illnesses in all, and according to doctors, 
Such intertension accounts for 60 to 85% of all sicknesses today. When, listen to this, when you swallow your feelings, your stomach gets sore. Let me say that again. When you swallow your feelings, your stomach gets sore. Literally, that kind of tension and that kind of anger and that kind of stress will pull things out of your body and make you sick. I have seen people live and get deathly ill because of their attitude and their, their their not being able to come to peace with God and peace with fellow man. I'm talking about patience and long-suffering with adversity in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. In my life, you ain't worth me going to hell. And in your life, I'm not worth you going to hell. And nobody else is worth you going to hell. You better put it all down, get it all resolved, get over it, and let's move on with a long-suffering spirit because that is the will of God for us. Somebody shout amen. See, when anger is expressed through words and behavior repressed through denial and internalizing, it's still damaging. Either way, it's still damaging. Depression is defined sometimes as anger turned inward. Anger turned in. You ever see anybody just mad at the world? You know, I don't name no names, but you know, there's people just mad about everything. They can't laugh. They can't smile. They can't get along with anybody. They're just, you know, I, I don't like to better be around anybody like that. Just everything grumpy and mad. and It's kind of like the shirt that said, did, 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 did you wake up grumpy? He said, no, I let him sleep today. Amen. Anger annihilates normal human responses. It's the physical damage caused by anger. It's only exceeded by spiritual harm that it causes. Not only are you miserable in your life, you're miserable in your spirit. Because here, and here's the next blank you need to write in, unrestrained anger is sin. It's sin. When you, when you can't handle it, it's sin. And the only way to handle it is through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me give you five cases where anger is sinful. You ready? These all are, are blanks on your sheet of paper. When it explodes quickly without time to think rationally. When it explodes, that's the word. When all of a sudden, boom, it just goes nuts. We call it what? Quick-tempered? We call it a lot of stuff, you'll be honest. But when it explodes quickly without time to think rationally, here's another one. When the injury that causes it is only imagined and not real. Have you ever imagined something and got angry over it? The Bible said, the Bible said, casting down imaginations. Do you know there's people that literally get mad at other people because they imagine something? <laughs> really, it don't happen, but in their mind, well, they're talking about me. It's kind of like the old boy that my daddy used to tell about that went to the football game for the very first time, and they had a huddle. Back in those days, they had a huddle. They don't really have a huddle anymore. But, you know, they all got together, and they all huddled, and he got up and left after the first huddle. And he said, where are you going? He said, they're not out there talking about me like that. 
Everybody ain't talking about you. Everybody, you, there are some things that the Bible talks about vain imagination. Hello? When the injury that causes anger is only imagined and it's not real. How many times have we, whoever's in this room today, got angry over something that really never happened? But we thought it did. And that was our take on it. Here's another one. When it is disproportionate to the offense committed. In other words, the anger is way bigger than the problem and way bigger than the situation. Anger over, I mean, immense anger over little bitty things that come along. Y'all are quiet on me. Here's another case where anger is sinful. When it is directed against the innocent rather than the guilty. We, we just pick out the, the, the one we think ought to get, ought to get the anger and, and the results. And they may be innocent and the guilty go free. And here's another where anger is sinful. When it is prolonged over time and becomes revengeful. In other words, you can't get over it. And it eats on you like a cancer. And it gnaws away and it gnaws away. And it not, I've seen it happen not one time, many times. I've watched people in the same church that through the years despise one another over some little something that happened that didn't amount to a Kentucky Hill of Wonder Beans. And yet they got angry over it and it got in their spirit. And the first thing you know, it overtook them. You may not agree, but this is good this is good stuff tonight. So Proverbs 11 and 9 said this, "He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart." Don't get angry and don't don't pass up your long suffering and your patience so that your house is troubled by the wind. You better, you better be a, a, a servant that produces the fruit of the Spirit in your life. There's always a price tag when you get angry, and you can't afford it. Anger, listen to me, anger destroys relationships. We're studying nine secrets to healthy relationships. Well, let me just tell you something. Anger can destroy your marriage. Anger can destroy your relationship with your kids. Anger can destroy your relationship on the job. Anger. And and when you when you talk about anger, we're still talking about long suffering. It's better to long to suffer long. It's better to abide under that under that problem in that situation than it is to let your anger go and the first thing you know you have totally said things and done things and showed an attitude and 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 done things that that you shouldn't have done and you have destroyed that relationship that's why there's domestic violence in America because of anger that's why cops, let me tell you, I ride with them. I've been there many times. You, I'm going to warn you, okay? If you get mad at your husband or your wife and you call the cops, I got news for you. Somebody is going to jail. I've never been on a call with them that somebody didn't go to jail. And it may be the one that called the cops. You know why? They frown on domestic violence. 
because they say you didn't call us out here for nothing. Somebody done something. Who hit who? Who did what? Just some good advice. Here's another next blank on your sheet of paper. I got to hurry. Reflect. Everybody say reflect. Reflect before reacting. Proverbs 16.32 said, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. But listen to this. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. A man that can rule his spirit. Now, I, I don't know how good we are at this, but this is in the Bible. And if we're going to do and have the fruit of the Spirit in our life, we, we've got to be slow to anger, and then we have to rule our spirit because that's the things that God smiles upon. That's the things that God wants out of us. This is why James wrote in James 1.19, he said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Did you hear what he said? The wrath of man, the anger of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That's not what God wants is for you to have wrath toward your fellow man. So in other words, if we're going to produce fruit in our life, we're going to suffer and we're going to suffer long, and we're going to be patient, and we're going to abide by the Scriptures, and when they do it to us, that the, the things that, that hurt us inside, outside, hurt our ears, hurt our mind, hurt our flesh, hurt our, our personality, hurt our feelings, if you please, then we still have to smile and go on. And but let me tell you, when they slapped, he's a perfect example. When they slapped Jesus across the face, I'll tell you what he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I don't know if one of us are like Jesus or not. I wouldn't advise you to slap me to see. I hope I could be like him. But that's what Jesus did. We're talking about being Christ-like. Slow anger. That's that macrothumous word. Long anger. It's called patience. You know, you might say, well, I have rights too. And you do. You do. Patience is our defense against the frequent minor frustrations of life. Selfish, immature individuals who give themselves too many rights. You got rights, but you don't have too many. Are constantly plagued with anger since so many of their rights are violated. I hope you're listening. You got to give up those rights to God and expect fewer things to be perfect in your life. And result will be less anger and more joy. You don't have near as many rights as you think you do. Amen? Because God takes a lot of them away from us when we come to him. That's why he said in the New Testament, he said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But you can't do that now. I'm paraphrasing. He said, you got to love those that hate you. you got to pray for those that despitefully use you. Huh? He said, there's a new, there's a new 
text in the New Testament. This is the way I want you to live. You can't have an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You kill my dog, I'll kill your cat. That can't be the attitude of Christians. That's why Proverbs 29, 11 said, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Everybody say afterwards. There will come a day. But a fool, I've said it many times, a, a fool uttereth all of his heart, all of his mind. I, one, one scripture in Proverbs said, a fool speaketh all of his heart. You just don't say everything you want to say. You just can't say it all. There's times that I'd like to say a lot of stuff, but I can't say it all. Because if I say it, I'm going to be wrong. And you're going to be really mad. And you, you are in the same place. There's some things you cannot say to your neighbor. You can't say to your friend. You, you better be real close friends when you start saying some things to people because you're violating their rights. That's the way they feel. You don't have a right to say that to me. Has anybody ever told you that? You don't have a right to tell me that. You don't have a right to act like that. You don't have, you know, it's all about rights. Well, I'll tell you, when you become a Christian, you, you lose a lot of rights, and you start suffering long, and you have to have patience with people, your fellow man. Anger delayed gives it time to cool down. Let me say it again. Anger delayed. It was Thomas Jefferson that said this, when you're angry, you count to 10. And when you're real angry, you count to 100. Huh? I tell you, an old man, he's been dead many years, many years. I went to his 50th wedding anniversary when I was a young pastor and uh, way back 40-something years ago. And, and I went to his 50th wedding. And somebody asked him, they said, uh, how have you made it 50 years? He said, I'll tell you how I made it. He said, every time we got into a squabble, he said, I just went out the door and I walked around the block. Now, if you do that, they're going to say, oh, so you ain't going to talk. <laughs> but that's what he did. He said, I just went out the door and walked around. You know why? Anger delayed. Gives it time to cool down. He was a smart man. Why? Because the longer you hold your temper, the more it improves. Remember this. Always shift your mind into gear before your mouth goes into motion. You ought to double clutch every once in a while. If you don't know what driving an old standard is, you won't understand that. But some folks need to double clutch. Amen. Remember that anger, and here's a, the, a, a blank on your sheet of paper. Remember that anger is always the second emotion in any experience. It's the second. That's the word you're looking for. Write that down. If you can reflect long enough to figure out the first emotion, you can deal effectively with the situation. Anger is usually the second emotion. It's you know, and I've always said this, it's not altogether how we act as Christians, it's how we react as Christians. It's not what we do, it's what others do to us and then how we react to what goes on. Because most of our actions are reactions. Do you agree with that? Most of the things that where we stumble is how we react to the situation or the problem. Hey, did you know they said this? No, I didn't know that. Did you know, you know, 
could I tell you, could I give you a good proverb tonight? It came straight. It's a G-E-ism. If you don't know what that is, that's what my daddy used to tell me all the time. Here's what he said. It's not in the scripture, but it's a G-E-ism. You ready? You just remember this. A dog that will bring you a bone will carry one. Just a thought. Don't get angry when they come tell you that because it may or may not be true. I had somebody approach me just not long ago and, and, and come and say, Brother so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so said this. And I said, really? Well, they said, you said it. I said, go get them. Bring them to me. I'll look them right in the eye. They're lying. That was my reaction. Did it make me mad? Yeah, it did. Ain't going to lie about it. Because that was far from the truth as the North Pole is from the goose nest. So people will tell you whatever they want you to hear. You can't believe it all. But th that was my reaction. And, 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 and when I got through explaining, they said, oh, thank you for clearing that up, you know. Here, here's, here's the next blank on your sheet of paper. Release your anger. Release your anger appropriately. Ephesians 4.26 said, be ye angry and sin not. You've got to release it appropriately. And appropriately, come on, I'm preaching to us now. You can't throw your hat. You can't cuss the dog. You can't cuss your wife. Oh, I know nobody ever, ever, ever done anything like that. You, you, you can't say words and, 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 and make rash statements and go crazy. Are y'all still here? Oh, I just wonder if anybody was still left. Huh? Make sure you're still at church. You see, release your anger appropriately. Being patient doesn't mean denying your anger. It means releasing it properly. Most people tend to release their anger in ways that take them further from their goal than they were before they ever got angry. Take them further away. And, and, and you know, psychologists propagate a myth, and it, and it goes something like this. You've got a bucket full of anger in your life, and if you'll just dump out the bucket, it will be empty, and then you can be happy. But I wish it worked that way, but it don't work that way because what they don't know is that we manufacture anger on a daily basis. <laughs> it's not a one-time ordeal. Okay, I'm an angry man. Woo, I'm going to pour it all out. I'm going to tell you something. The devil will make sure you have something to get angry about tomorrow. The devil will make sure that your flesh is tried again before the sun goes down. Anybody with me today? They've, they've, they've got these, they've got, psychologists even have these techniques called ventilation and primal scream. I read about it. To allow people to mentally vomit and let it all hang out. Get it all out of your system. Are, are, have we gone nuts here? Paul said, I have to die every day. I die daily. He said, I have to bring my body under subjection. Why? Because it's a daily fight. And if I'm going to be patient, if I'm going to be long-suffering, if I'm going to produce the fruit of the Spirit, I can't get the Holy Ghost in 1982 and never talk in tongues again. I can't come to church on Sunday and say that's all I'm having to do with God till next Sunday. You got to pray every day. 
You've got to read the Word of God. You've got to produce fruit, and if you're not going to produce fruit, then the flesh is going to take over. Good fruit, not bad fruit, good fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Wow. Wow. The body can always produce more anger. Don't ever forget that. The mind can always produce more anger. You don't have an anger bucket. You've got an anger factory. <laughs> we, I, I, I can think I got it all out today, and, and uh, you know, somebody do something to me tomorrow, Jay, and I'm right back at it again. I'm mad again. Everybody with me? See, different things irritate us, and, and we all release our anger in different ways. Some people, some people are skunks because everybody knows when they're upset because they, they, let, they, let they let it smell. Other people are turtles. They just pull back in their shell and won't say anything. Amen. There's four possible ways to respond to anger. These are, these are blanks on your sheet of paper. Three of them are wrong. I'll let you decide which three are wrong and which one is right. There's, there's four possible ways, and here's how we respond. You ready? The first one is repress it. We're, we're holding the resentment inside. We repress it. The second one is, is to suppress it. That means pretending the resentment doesn't exist at all. The third one is express it. Uncontrolled, negative Reactions. But the fourth one is confess it. Ask God to help you. Now, which one do you think is godly and is right? First John said this, chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, everybody say, if we confess our sins. I want to tell you something. I don't believe you got to come tell me, but I believe you have to confess your sins. I'm, I'm, I'm not a priest. This is not confessional. You can't come to me and pay me money and say, that's not what it's all about. But if you confess to God, if you confess your sins, the Bible said he's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the way we get rid of anger and we get rid of these feelings that's in our life is we confess it before the Lord. Here's the last, not the last blank. Here's the next blank, and it's this, repattern your mind. Repattern your mind. Romans 22, or excuse me, 12 and 2 said, be not conformed to this world. We all know this scripture, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You've got to repattern your mind. God knows. He knows his own creation. And we, we need both the abiding under patience and we need the long anger patience. Our life will make us perpetually angry every day about something. And we will live a miserable lifestyle. It is one of the fruit of the Spirit that probably every one of us have something lacking in us. And I say us because I'm putting me with you. I'm no better than you are. But I tell you, I could use a baptism of patience and long-suffering, and I want God to give that to me. Amen? I'm not just saying those things. Long-term change in the heart of man does not happen through New Year's resolutions, promises, or self-help techniques. Not going to come that way. It can only happen 
through the power of the Holy Ghost. Long-term changes. It comes through the power of the Holy Ghost, and nothing can transform the way you think like the Holy Ghost can. Nothing can change your life. Nothing can repattern your mind. That's nothing that will work. When he said, be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, you need the Holy Ghost to renew your mind. And I need the Holy Ghost to renew my mind. If we're going to change our lifestyle and change our conversation and change our patterns, we've got to have the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost helps you control your anger by dealing with, and this is the next blank on your sheet of paper, the root cause, the real reason. The root cause, the root cause, the real reason. And God can replace your hurt and your pain and your frustration and your fear and your rejection and your insecurity. He can can replace all that with peace and with joy and with love and with long-suffering and patience. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost helps you control yourself by replacing it with the fruit that God produces in you. I want to tell you, there's not one in this building that can produce what we're talking about every Wednesday night without the Holy Ghost. There's not one. You don't have enough good in you to produce Galatians 5, 22 and 23, without the Holy Ghost. I can't do it. You can't do it. That's why when you get the Holy Ghost, you get some things that God is looking for in your life that all of a sudden where you used to be a quick-tempered man, you're a slow-tempered man. Where you used to be full of hate, you're full of love. Where you used to be full of, full of uh, despondency, you're full of joy. Hallelujah. When there were enemies everywhere in your life, you're full of the peace of God in your life. Well, I'm talking tonight about what God produces in us. When we That's why Paul picked up the pen and said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You know why? Because we're not the same guy we used to be. We don't go the same places we used to go. We don't think like we used to think. We are changed by the power of the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is now producing in us fruit of the Spirit. I hurry to a close. Romans 15, 5, now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. The God of patience and consolation. The God of patience. I'm so glad he's patient with me. If he wasn't, I'd been gone a long time ago. Colossians 1 and 11 said this, strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. So here's the deal, and I quit with this. If you're going to be what God wants you to be, you better start manufacturing some patience in your life through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I got to do it. And Look, we're, we're normal people. We, we, we can't go through life without getting angry. If you think you can go through life without getting angry, you're, you're, you're wrong. You can't. You're going to get mad sometimes. We call it anger, but it's just downright getting mad. You're going to get mad at things at your house. You're going to get mad at things on your job. You're going to get mad at things at the church. You're going to get mad at the preacher. God help you. You're going to get mad. 
you're going to get mad at things sometimes. You are. That's just life. It's just life. Don't think I don't ever get mad at you. I get mad when I study all Wednesday and you don't show up to church. Uppercut right there. That wasn't even a fair punch, was it? That come out of nowhere. But you know, I mean, really, think about it. How would you, let me ask you a question. How would you like to invite 10 people to your house next Sunday and you go home and you buy all the groceries and they all say, oh, yeah, we'll be there. And you fix for 10 people and you've got a house full of food and two show up. And, brother, I got steak here tonight. This ain't, this ain't pork and beans. This is steak. This, this ain't crackers and salad, honey. This is T-bones and, and baked potato with butter and sour cream and a few bacon bits thrown on top. Come on now. Let's go eat. You, I, I, I'm just saying to you, I, I, I get angry sometimes. I get disgusted sometimes. I get frustrated sometimes. Do you? Do you? If the plumber came to fix your house and he charged you $160 to fix a faucet and when he left 30 minutes later it's dripping again, would you be angry? You can be angry. You just can't sin. You just got to call the plumber back. Does that make sense to everybody? What I'm talking about tonight is keeping it Christ-like. And keeping full of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, how do you smile at people when they do the things they do? Because the love of God. You just got to keep loving people. This church is a voluntary army. Nobody can make you come here. Nobody can make you leave. You, you're here because you want to be. Thank God you want to be. But I'm going to tell you something tonight. I'm going to tell you something. We got to want to be what God wants us to be. We got to want to be in the will of God. Amen? I'm quitting. It's quitting time. I'm not going to hold you over time. Y'all be having to pay me more. Let's stand. So one of the secrets to a healthy relationship is long-suffering, patience, patience. We got some more to go. I ain't quitting until we're over, till it's done. Amen. But I hope, I hope we, we understand what God really expects out of us. We're not just, we're not just, this is not the Kiwanis Club. You can't come here and listen to a lecture and go out and do what you want to do. You come here and get the Word of God and put it down in your heart and say, Lord, i got to live like that. i gotta, I got to measure up to the Word of God. I'm not the authority here. You know what the authority is? It's right here, brothers. It's right here. I, I, it, it really doesn't matter what I say. If you check out what I say by this book, it's good. But if it doesn't line up with here, you can throw it out with the bathwater. Amen. Just telling you this is where we got to go and be pleasing to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and thank you for these people. I thank you, God, for touching us and staying with us and working on us. Lord, hammer away at us into our spirit and into our soul until we get it right. We want to be like, like you. We want to be what you want us to be. We want to live a Christian life. We want the world to see us as they see you. Let the Holy Ghost shine through us. Let the power of God be made manifest through us. Let the glory of God be upon us. And let the holy presence of God be with us every day. And let us be what you want us to be. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody shout amen.